to the Christian Center's Sermon of the Week. Jesus healed a man who was ill for 38 years. Can you, can you remember if you were here? If you're not, uh, Jesus healed a man. And if you just look, when I read, this man, he's, he gave up on being healed because it was delayed for so many years. Imagine yourself waiting to be healed for 38 years. Second thing, the man was in a state of defeat. He was defeated. He gave up. And he said, maybe it's never going to happen. So he was defeated. He became familiar with his condition. So he became depressed. He was looking at, um, he had a complaining spirit when Jesus st- spoke to him. All he could do. But, but every time, but nobody helps. He, he is at that place of defense. And looking at the pool rather than healing by the power of God, he was distracted. Man, and it speaks to me this morning. How can life bring us to a place where we're distracted, where we confuse, where we feel defeated, where we feel depressed? So Jesus stepped in. And this was explained last week. He just went in sovereignly. He chose a man. He displays his mercy. He acted suddenly, powerfully and surprisingly, and he heals instantly. That's the God that we serve. We must not forgive that. He can step in and change a situation instantly. He acted graciously. He ignored the man's sins and excuses. He acted over or besides the condition or never mind the condition at that point where that man was in his emotional, his physical condition. He went and he acted um, graciously and directly. He didn't say to the man, okay, so I'll now pick you up and I'll put you in this pool. He just did it in his way. In his way. Don't try and conform or put Jesus in some kind with all respect. Or your expectation of him in some sort of a recipe or a parcel or a form. He can do it instantly and in the way that he wants. And then he acted purposefully. Why do I share this with you? You know what? Because Jesus had the... Can I say... Guts or audacity? That doesn't sound great. But to do this on a Sabbath... He healed on a Sabbath. If you, if you read a little bit, in Luke 14, Jesus healed a man with a soul and body on a Sabbath. In Mark 3, the man with the withered hand. Do you know that that healing was done on a Sabbath? And I think he did this because the Pharisees was looking at him. And especially when it became the Sabbath, they were, say, they were looking at him because why? They, were, they wanted to condemn him. They wanted to have something to attach to him and say, this is why. And once again he came and he healed on the Sabbath. I wonder, 
if we as Christians, or many times, okay, first of all, the Pharisees was too concerned, so concerned about the rule that was broken, that they didn't even give credit for the miracle that happened. Isn't that sad? Aren't we sometimes trapped in religion or in legalism or in, call it, in culture or in tradition that we are so tight with that that when Jesus comes and he does something out of the ordinary, we are so focused on what went wrong that we don't see the miracle that happened right in front of our eyes. And this is the condition that the Pharisees were in. And then Jesus thought, man, I'm going to speak to you now because I've got all the ears and the eyes, all the attention. Because you're accusing me, you saw what I did, so I think it's time to reveal to you who I really am. And this is where we, this is the message this morning. The authority of Jesus. So what was Jesus' response in verse 17? In his defense, that is John, John 5 verse 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, listen to this answer. My father is always at work to this very day and I am working too. Jesus actually said, you people made a Sabbath something. You attached some rules to it and you made all your regulations. But God made it for you to rest. But he never intended that you shouldn't do something good on a Sabbath. I came and my father that's working with me decided to do something good on the Sabbath. And you couldn't even see that. So that was his response. My father's working and I'm working. Now they hear two things. Number one, he's challenging them on the Sabbath. And number two, he's talking about father. And man, I think that flipped a few tops, sir. Father, my father. And I think amongst the Pharisees, they probably said to each other, did you hear that? Can you believe what he just said? And I think they were busy um, planning or busy talking amongst them, uh, uh, themselves. And then Jesus followed up with this. He's, he gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, this is under the heading, whatever Jesus does in, is in submission of the Father. He says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So they were still asking themselves, did you hear what he just said? And now he's saying this. And I think the fury and, and all of that amongst those Pharisees, I think it got to a next level. You see, he, but there's principles in here that you and I need to understand about Jesus. Number, um, yeah, the first thing, the son can do nothing of himself. Whatever the son does comes from seeing what the father is doing. That we understand. If we have children, boys or girls, very often we say to them, don't do what I do, do what I say. Isn't that, that so? But we actually supposed to say, look at me, do what I do, 
say what I say. And that principle is, yeah, Jesus says, I'm, my father is my teacher. And I will do what my father tells me to do and what he teaches me to do. The second thing, the father and the son are working together. So the father is taking the lead and the son will follow in life as well. We do things. Our children small, we do it for them. Then at some point in time, they do it with us. At some point in time, they need to do something while we supervise. And then we expect them to do something when we're not there. Isn't that so? And this is a basic principle. Jesus says to them um, that my father is taking the lead and the son will follow. I'll do everything that the father says. The second thing. There's a relationship of loving communication between the father and the son. This is all in that teaching that he replies to the Pharisees. And it's amazing because you know how many times I read the scripture and I didn't pick that up. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So Jesus said, whoa, whoa, you are now having a problem with what I've done now on the Sabbath. I'm going to take it up another notch. I'm not only called for what I've done now. I'm called for greater things. You see, love and communication goes together. When you love someone, you will speak to them. A challenged relationship battles with communication. So that relationship between the father and the son was clear and pure. And Jesus could hear what his father is saying so he could respond to that. If communication flows easily, love flows easily. Because the father loves the son. His will is continually disclosed through the son. The son obeys by doing what the father has revealed and now he says, even greater things. There's a greater responsibility that Jesus had. Can I be honest? For long I thought about Jesus as our savior and as our intercessor. Then I thought about the father as the judge and the ruler. And in a way, we sort of saw Jesus as this person interceding for us. The Father is sitting on the throne and, and, and he's looking at us. And every time Jesus would say, um, but, but his sins is washed away. He would come and he would intercede for us. And that's still real and true for now. But you know it's going to change one day. And this is what Jesus is saying. You, you're saying to me, what are you preaching now? It's going to change. The same Jesus that's now interceding for us, the same Jesus that laid down his life, this scripture says that Jesus is also going to be the judge. Wow, what are you teaching? Read your Bible. Listen to this. There is an even greater responsibility, Jesus said. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give. Moreover, the Father judges no one. 
Man, I missed that in my Bible. I missed it. But has entrusted all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Man, this was something that I needed to chew on. It's given to Jesus to judge. The same person that gave his life for us, that's even now interceding for us. He paid the price for us. That is the person in the Trinity that's also going to judge. So the Son is given the task of giving life. If you read the scripture, it says the Father raised the dead and gives life. The Son's responsibility is to give a new life. Remember, salvation means I'm born again. That is the new life in the Spirit. The new life. So Jesus works through his salvation and he gives us a new life. But the Son is also given the responsibility of judgment. Condemnation is not the purpose of Jesus' coming. Please hear this. Condemnation is a position taken by men and women who prefers to stay in the dark when salvation is refused. Jesus does not condemn. Condemnation is a position that we take in when we refuse salvation. There's a few truths this morning that is like thick steak. I need to chew through this. So we don't live under condemnation and Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. If we receive the salvation, then we are saved. If we don't, we are in condemnation. So this morning, there's a big decision that you and I need to take. Do we receive salvation or we reject it? Because that determines our position at the, when it's judgment time. So it's, it's a critical time this morning. Are we going to receive salvation or are we going to reject it? Do we stand under condemnation or do we stand under grace? The next point, the greater responsibility, acquittal, life, and resurrection, verse 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, um, but has crossed over from death to life. So Jesus says, my coming brings freedom of condemnation. You see, Jesus does two things. He's, he did it and he's still doing two things. Number one, he's given us eternal life. And number two, he's changing our status from sinner and condemned to justified, according to Romans 5.18. Listen to what the Bible says. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Are you still with me? We're talking about the authority of Jesus Christ. Then the final resurrection to reward and honor. Verse 27. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, Jesus' voice, 
and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus is the final judge. We need to hear it this morning. Right now, the Father sent the Son, and as we sit here, He is our saving grace. He is our Savior. He's calling our names. He's knocking at the door, and He's saying, please allow me to step in. He is, when we receive salvation, we are under His grace. But that's the same person in the Trinity that's going to sit one day and say, my grace was rejected. My act of love was rejected. So I have the responsibility now to judge according to how you lived and decisions you made. The same person, our, salvation, our, our Savior. So we will give accounts of our lives. Some will be vindicated and honored and others will be condemned. I'm going to go briefly. Jesus then went on and he said in 20, uh, uh, verse 22, he says, you know, there are other testimonies of who I am. He's busy talking to the Pharisees. I think by now, I don't know if they're quiet or if they are aggressive or whatever, but you can just imagine the setting. Jesus is just going on and on. He says to the, or, or what he says, the Father also testifies to Jesus. He says, there is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. He's talking about the Father. Verse 20, was it 33? John the Baptist testifies about Jesus. You have, sent, you have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mentioned it, that you may be saved. John was a lamb that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Then Jesus says, I'm talking about my authority, Pharisees. Look at the miracles that I've done. Even the miracles testify who I am. I've, verse, verse 36, I have testimony um, weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form. And then Jesus says, if that's not enough, it's almost as if he's building this case, as if he's saying to the Pharisees, may your eyes open and see who I really am. Scriptures testify. Verse 38. Nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one who, um, he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Strong words that he's saying. In summary, Jesus Christ came for the redemption of mankind. He's interceding for us and he paid the price so that we can be saved by grace. All authority has been given to him. New life, but also condemnation. He will have the final say during that judgment day. That's something 
that I want you to hear, I want you to think about it, and I want you to accept it. All the authority has been given to Jesus. When I prepared, I sort of saw a then and a now. And as I prepared, it's as if the Holy Spirit said to me, but we can't just talk about the authority that Jesus had. What happened to that authority when he left? Yes, he left us the Holy Spirit as a comforter and a friend. What happened to the authority? Can somebody, can an elder help me? What happened to the authority? We've got the authority. Ah, where are you coming from, my brother? I tell you, we've got the authority. Jesus said that. Um, I'm going to read, where is it? John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What? Who's we? Us, as children of God. We have a magnitude of authority of who we are in Christ. And I don't think we step into it. I don't think we speak it. I don't think we live it. I think we are sort of hesitant because we think it's on me and it's on you. No, it's on him. It's his word and his promise. So today I stand before you and I have to say to myself and before you, I don't always live in that authority. How do I speak to the enemy? How do I speak to problems? How do I speak to illness? I don't, always or I don't always function with that authority that's been given to me. Maybe today is a day that we all need to be reminded. We, as children of God, have that authority. John 1 verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All who believe in and all who receive in, you and I have the right. We know about rights, don't we? We live in a democratic South Africa. You can ask any teenager from 13 to ever about rights and they'll tell you what is their rights. Why don't we step into the right that we have as children of God and we also take that authority and we start functioning through that authority in the way we speak and the way we live? Can I tell you what's the problem of the day? Us as Christians, we live a life, we socialize, we work, not different from the world. And in that, we give away our authority. Isn't it time that we speak differently? I'm not saying we must be all weird and wonderful. We're not going to grow halos. Man, I'm, I get ups, upset at work and sometimes I need to go and apologize. But isn't it time that I speak things the way that a child of God with authority must talk? That I behave in a way that I have the authority of Christ to back me and I speak into a situation. Why is it? That we as Christians live a life that's so alike to the world. Maybe it's because we don't understand the authority 
or the last thing, maybe it's because we don't believe. That's a big one. Even the disciples who walked with Christ, at some point in time, they said to him, um, where is that scripture? They said to him, Luke 17 verse 5, Lord, please increase our faith. Isn't that our dilemma? Isn't that we know all these things, but we don't live by faith? Who needs more faith? Can I see your hand? Oh, there's a few with many. Who needs more faith? I need more faith. I need faith to make a difference, be a difference, and let God's authority be demonstrated in my life. That's a big thing. So maybe today we need to take account of our lives. And maybe we need to allow faith to be the core of our existence and our being. Questions? What about you and me? It could be that I'm sitting here today and I'm saying I'm not 100% sure about my position in Christ. Let's go to Romans. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For what the heart, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. What happened this morning in our worship? It is God through his spirit revealing his presence. Could you, could, could you agree that this morning with our worship there was a time when it just felt, man, I am refreshed, I'm regenerated. Maybe through the worship God already started restoring what is supposed to be in our lives. He's already doing it this morning. He is busy restoring it. So two things. Number one, it could be that I miss out because I've never confessed with my mouth that he is Lord. And I, maybe I can't say that I am saved. One thing. Or maybe I'm walking this road, but I don't have faith. And this is the dilemma that we sit here this morning. So are we now going to call people up or what are we going to do? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes first. And then that you, that you settled it this morning. I want to ask you, how do you live your life? If the worship team can join me. How do you live your life? Is it a life that speaks about Christ in me? Or is it a life that I've sort of navigated myself on this road and direction where I'm not really challenged? My beliefs and my thoughts is, is actually under the, under the container. I don't need to confront anybody because I live this life of average. And every now and then things happen to me and then I ask God, where are you? And all he really asks is, but where are you? Where are you? So let's make it up this morning. Are we saved? 
Are we born again? Have we confessed our sins? Have we asked Jesus to be our Savior? We have to, we have to qualify that this morning. So with every eye closed, I'm not going to call you to the front, but I'm going to ask you, can I pray for you this morning? Because that is the basis to say that I receive the love that was given. I receive the blood that was shed on the cross. I receive the salvation. I receive the restoration. And I live not under condemnation, but I live under grace. So while the music's playing, and we just ask the Holy Spirit to work in every heart, I want to see if there's one, two, three, four hands. You're going to stay seated, but I'm going to pray here in front for you. Is there anybody that say, I want to commit my life to Lord. I want to live differently. Yes, there's one hand. From today on, I want to look at life differently. I want to speak differently. I want to make different decisions. Not because of my own strength, but He who lives in me. There's another hand. Thank you. There's another hand. There's another hand. The hands are coming up. There's another hand. There's another hand. Another, another, another. You've make, you're making the most important decision this morning is to say, Lord, I lay down my agenda and I am taking hold of what you brought through the cross. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. Is there any other hands that we can pray for this morning? Yes, there's two more hands. Yes, two more hands. Lord, we come to you this morning. And the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all sinned. But the blood of the Lamb washes away our sins. So with every hand that was lifted this morning, I want to come before you, Lord, and as I pray, I'm asking you also to pray. We, want, uh, we ask you for forgiveness of all our sins, of everything that we've done wrong, Lord. We ask that you will wash away with your blood everything of our past, Lord, that we will not carry that as a burden and as this big bag into the future, but that we start clean and clear because your burden is light, Lord. It's not a heavy burden. So this morning we want to lay down our sins, but we want to accept your forgiveness through the blood of the Lamb. Thank you that this morning, Lord, lives are going to change. Thank you that this morning hearts and minds are going to change. Relationships are going to change. Work situations are going to change. We receive you, Jesus, as our Savior, as our Lord, and we say thank you for that. We say thank you for that. I'd like to be as bold as to say, who needs more faith? Please don't let me stand alone. <laughs> Please don't let me stand alone. If you need more faith, and what am I saying? I'm saying to understand that I have the power, the Word says, in your tongue, there's life and there's death. How different could my life have been if I've chosen to speak and believe God's thoughts over my life? I think it would have been very different. And maybe it's time that we do that. So I'm going to ask you, all of us, who says, Lord, thank you that I am saved and born again. But I need faith this morning. I need faith 
even for situations that I've given up on. Remember that man? He was defeated. He gave up on life. I tell you, faith can move a mountain. And I know that there's people in here that says, my brother, I've given up on this idea. I've given up about so many things. I'm asking you, please don't give up because God will never give up on that. So if you need just to say, Lord, give me more faith. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. Stand with me in three, two, one. And we extend our hands and we speak to him and say, Lord, you know what's in my heart. You know that I've turned so many times. You know that I've given up on so many things. You know that I've actually became depressed about things. And I realized this morning is because I don't speak by faith and I live through faith. So this morning, Lord, as we stand, we are your people and we need you, Lord. But thank you that you helped us and you restored the authority that Jesus Christ gave to us to speak over situations with that authority, with the word of wisdom, with the word of insight, with a word of of freedom with the word of love. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our friend. But this morning we stand in faith and say, Lord, increase our faith. Can I ask you now that 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 you're thinking of, the reason why you're standing now, will you just bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, I give this thing and this situation, I give this burden, I give whatever, I give it back to you and I'll not hold on to this but I'll hold on to the faith and the authority that you've given me. Can we do that? Just take a minute and say, Lord, I step into faith. I'll speak in faith. I'll operate in faith. And I praise you for that. In Jesus' precious name.